The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water. I'm Sharon Kleina. This show is, has a focus for almost seven years to get you, the audience, involved in understanding there is a water crisis worldwide. It's not just in any particular country only or a few. It is a global concern. We must join together and begin to study and evaluate and get others and educated about what, how, why is this planet Earth called the blue planet? The blue planet, when you're looking from in, in, in the universe, back to Earth, from the moon or Mars or wherever, you look at blue. And why are you looking at blue? It's the water. The water is what's keeping us all alive. And just remember, it's, yeah, there's an invincible water. You can see the puddle. You can see the stream. You can see the river, the lakes, the oceans. You can see your glass of water, your shower water, all the modern facilities that you use using water, but there's an invisible water that is influencing fresh water on the surface of the earth and our cloud system called water vapor, humidity. And without that water vapor, that humidity, and it must be clean, you will not live. Diseases will be out of control. Your organism of the body, the organism of earth, all of these organisms of life, the excitement of them, are all electrolytically energized by water vapor invisibly that you do not see in your life. So we must be get together and study every day and educate ourselves about what is happening. Now, that is why this show. The topics we have with the most exciting guests I've ever had from all over the world who have influence and have been involved with diet, uh, water, uh, issues of health, and learning more about how we can take better care of ourselves. But all of our issues are around water. Now, there is a subject today that I'd love to discuss with you on water and the controversy of water in countries of the world because they don't have enough. Did you know that in other countries of the world, the tribes and the, and the different loca- locations have been having water wars for hundreds and hundreds of years? The controversy of when they lost, there became a desert, there was a challenge to where they were going to get the fresh water. 
and they would have wars over who was going to get the water so far back. Now I have an interesting one today. I want to thank my secretary for getting me always each week some of the latest results and findings on waters and what's happening around the world. But we have a new one. Kenya last week, even during all this horrible tragedy that's going on in Kenya right now with the terrorist attack that they've had at the mall, they did find an aquifer that just shocked them. And it was said this way, this is incredible. Scientists have found an underground water reservoir reserve in Kenya so large that it could meet the entire country's water needs for 70 years. This is exciting. So these kind of explorations are continuing all the time. This is a country where uh, it's estimated 40% of the Kenyans have not had clean water. Now, coming to the United States, here in the United States, we're finding that Florida just filed a lawsuit for water with Georgia. And that, that lawsuit is a lawsuit that they're having a controversy about the fact that their waters, uh, one state doesn't have, has the water that the other state doesn't have, and that uh, there are over conditions of, of an Appalachia, I can't, I have a hard time pronouncing, Appalachia-Cola Bay. And the, and the water wars rise, it's headlined. Now, when they're going to go, and this is what they've done, the lawsuit to be in a U.S. Supreme Court in September challenges Georgia's unchecked and growing consumption of water, which is threatening the economic future of that bay. And it is said in the statement that this, this coming Tuesday, they're going to be conducting a hearing with U.S. Senators Bill Nelson and Mark Orubio. Mark Rubio. Now, that is just the beginning. Now, what is happening, it says, uh, that, that the legislature put $4.7 million into a region, <clears throat> excuse me, to retain workers hurt by the, this ailing economy because of water. Now, when you talk about economy and what's happening in Florida because of the water issues, and their economy depends upon fresh water. And workers, I had a guest on here one day, Dr. Grigg, who said water has hired more people than any, almost any other resource in the world. If you start having fresh water problems, which is predicted in countries and states all over the world, you are going to have an economic crisis. China is in the midst of a new one. China has found out that their global, their problems with their water for Beijing has gotten out of control. They've had to start taking water and diverting it from one of the rivers that's very polluted to make sure that the people in Beijing have enough water. So this education and here soon, we're going to start posting every one of these reports for you to go in and study and try to get individuals to come in and learn what we're learning with some of this research. 
because we found that this kind of education is out there, but that's, that's something that I do. I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, and that's what I've been researching for over 30 years, is issues of water. You cannot flush your toilet. You cannot brush your teeth. You cannot grow your food with agriculture if there's not enough water. You cannot, our, our planet will not have a relationship with the water vapor and the air if there's not enough fresh water on the surface of the earth. It has to be. And then I'm going to be soon bringing in Dr. Dwayne Cecil again, who's a climatologist scientist, and he's going to tell us that uh, he can tell us about the effects of the cloud system. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. You know your eyes at the surface are 98% water. If If your eyes dehydrate, you have vision impairment. All the way to maybe blindness in the future. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product worldwide to supplement that moisture, that water at the surface of the eyes with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Leanne. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. This is Sharon Kleina, and we have a very special guest today, Leanne Levin. Leanne, are you with us? I am. Hello, good afternoon. <laughs> well, good afternoon. I'm glad that we were able to get you on. I guess uh, they had a hard time getting a hold of you, and I was kind of sputtering along, and I want to tell my audience that I could talk about water, Leanne, all day long if I was prepared. And oh. then I also have to apologize to them. We had some lighting on my desk that I couldn't see my secretary trying to tell me that we uh, a message. So I'm going to need to apologize to the audience um, that I was saying I couldn't read something that I was supposed to be reading. <laughs> oh, boy, it's a crazy day. Oh, well, it's beautiful out, and uh, oh. the good news is that it's good food, and it's all simple and easy, so hopefully we can get everybody back on track. You will. In fact, I'm really excited to hear, uh, first of all, uh, now I want the audience to know that Lee and Levin, am I pronouncing your name right? 
It sounds much more elegant the way you say it, so I'm not going to change, but it was uh, Lavin. My husband Lavin? is part Irish, and they said they took off ah. the O, so they made O Lavin to Lavin. So. Okay, <laughs> so Leanne Lavin, and you're the author of a book that I'm really fascinated because we've brought, I've, I've been studying nutrition for, oh gosh, 45 years. No wonder I got into the subject of water with my research center and focus only on water. But uh, now you're the, the you're, you have a new book coming out called the 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 Hampton and Long, and Long Island Homegrown Cookbook. Correct for local foods. You know, tell me how. First of all, tell me how you got involved in that, and then I'll tell you where I come from with what I think the huge rage is going to be. Uh, that you're, what you're doing is going to be the future of everybody pursuing restaurants and locations that are homegrown food. But well, tell us, how, did you, go going? how did you do that? Well, I came at it from the standpoint of uh, from a gardening. Uh, not only is it a passion, and I'm a garden designer, landscape designer, but I worked at both the Botanic Gardens in New York, mm-hmm. the New York mm-hmm. Botanic Garden in the Bronx, okay. and Brooklyn okay. Botanic Garden. And I wanted okay. to know how gardens inspire us, all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I was focusing on artists, so I thought gardens will inspire painters or poets or musicians, but I started with the culinary artists because they use the bounty of the garden in their culinary art. Mm -hmm. So this was some years ago when I first started the research for the book, and even though now it's become more mainstream, it's certainly not mainstream enough, but it was even more challenging at the time to find those chefs who really do uh, utilize or at the same time develop and promote what I refer to as a true food network, meaning you use your local growers, your artisanal right. food makers, rather than picking up the phone and just calling a purveyor. Now, did, what was your occupation? Because I, I apologize to you. You also um, were a food inspector? No, um, I am a writer. I write okay, about so you never did anything like that. I probably uh, misunderstood when you were uh, you were probably going out and looking at foods and studying yes. the foods. There we go. Yes. And uh, now, uh, Leanne, your your timing couldn't be better. I think your book is going to sell uh, off the shelf. And now, when is it coming yeah, out? It, before I get going to it's out now. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's now. a fabulous mm-hmm. Christmas gift to me. It really uh, is. It's a t- yeah. coffee table book, and it's a Christmas gift. Now. Where I some people from. buy it for the stories, and some mm-hmm. people buy it for because there's a profile of each of the chefs. I asked right. each one, who inspires you most? So it could be their mm-hmm. tomato farmer, their duck right. grower, their oyster grower, and so it's the profile of the chef and then the grower that most inspires them. So some people mm-hmm. just like reading about it, and some people mm-hmm. have it for the recipes. I asked each chef to oh, provide three recipe. or four recipes. Excellent, excellent. Well, you and beautiful know, pictures. <laughs> about three years ago, the show is almost seven years old. I had somebody on about where uh, Walmart is going to be uh, was trying to find a way where they could start buying uh, produce closer to their stores, and then it wouldn't have to be to travel so far. And mm-hmm. that that is very fascinating to me. All the stores should be doing that. Because well, I say that for the longest time, unfortunately, food was developed for transport, not taste. And well, when you're you know what it is, food, Leanne. I studied that, and we we as human beings uh, became a massive shopper, 
And they even did it with clothing. I mean, your clothing is so mass-produced that the, the dyes and the chemicals in your clothing, because we're such, we, we do so much shopping and acquire so much. And we want more than in the old days. Remember how the closets used to be smaller. Our pantries used to be smaller. Mm-hmm. And okay. we people, it's our fault. Um, I'm going to say, even the, sto- the companies that have all that sugar and all, the, and all the carbohydrate and the artificial flavors is because we as a society wanted something else. So how are they going to make money and how are their stock going to increase and how are they going to get to profits? But they have to satisfy the customer's taste, what they're after. And we're a mass um, a shopper today. Um, now, back to learning, though. What you're saying is, and I'm saying, is people can learn that there will be available now foods closer to home if you're willing to start looking for them. And if you want them, people will satisfy you by making them closer to home because you're looking for them. Now, well, I think the there's re- a reverence for the food and for the food ingredients, and also people know they need to eat healthy, and not only just right. for delicious taste, but it's important to exactly. eat with the seasons. There's great variety that's there, and it's better. If you, if you eat local foods, you can build up the antibodies to your local pollution. If you're eating there you whole go. foods you. and it you know, comes mm-hmm. from China or Brazil, at least it's better than processed food, but nevertheless, you're not getting foods that are good for you in your local area. So exactly. this is what I celebrate and promote so that even though the book is the Hamptons and Long Island, people can use, you know, deconstruct and use the recipes for themselves, whether they live in Utah or Texas or New York, it doesn't matter. But or sitting the, here in Grants Pass, Oregon, where I'm talking to you today. Have you ever been to Oregon? I have, uh, but uh, some years ago. But, yeah, I went out there for business, and it was just beautiful. Yeah, it, uh, so no matter where you're at in the world, um, the relationship to what you're eating and your nutrition is so important to the local, uh, if you can buy local. And you're right about uh, the advantages to your health because you're living there, the advantages to the air you're breathing, that water vapor of the air is so important to the, the, what is growing there, plus your uh, re- reaction to your detoxifications. So it, it, it becomes a relationship of the foods growing there. You're there, and you're right. They have been learning so much about that. You have a quite, do you have a, that in your book discussing what you just said a little while ago about uh, you live local, eating the local food? Really, that's really what the whole book is about. I talk, you know, about it in the um, in the uh, introduction. Um, Brian Howell, who is the publisher of many of the edible publications, he did my forward. He also serves on the World Watch Institute, so mm-hmm. it's a running theme throughout the book. And it also, I mean, food is a prism, so you can touch right. on it, whether it's your water or whether it's social justice or whether it's, you know, families and so on. So you can see that it's important for us, and I talk about this, about uh, maintaining the health of our soils. We used to mm-hmm. be an agricultural an agrarian, you know, country, and if we're not mm-hmm. taking care of our soils, what's going to happen for the next generation or the next generation? So this is critically important. I've had people say to me, oh, Leanne, that's very nice what you promote in your book and the little local farmers markets or food networks, but we can't feed the world this way. And many of my chefs will say, 
Yes, you can. We've been doing it this way for thousands of years. It's only been one or two generations where we haven't done it. So our way does work. So we must maintain the health. So we can do it. And I think it's also that reverence you have for the local um, uh, food artisan who makes really good local food for you. So, uh, frankly, people, as you say, they shop too much, they eat too much. So don't eat so much. If you can't say it, don't eat it. (laughs) You're putting it in your body, you know. So this celebrate the whole book, the Hamptons and Long Island Homegrown Cookbook, celebrates those food thought leaders who go the extra mile, whether my chefs have the gardens and farms at their restaurant or whether they help develop, you know, the, the... pig breeder or the oyster breeder, they really work hard at it, and they also give a lot back to the communities in terms of working with the local schools to develop wellness programs and community gardens, and And so they really care. And that is in your book, too, about the local schools? Yes. Oh, wonderful. So many of them, they volunteer their time and their efforts. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the schools that inspired Chef Brian Futterman, for example, from his restaurants called Foodies in uh, Bridgehampton, but the school is the Hayground School, and the children learn everything, you know, all the subject matter, but they learn it through that prism of food. So they have their own gardens, chickens, pigs, and then they learn how Mm -hmm. to cook, and many of the you know, mm-hmm. local chefs come in and teach them how to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wonderful. It's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. That is exciting because it, it, that's, and the other way I look at it, and I you know you do because you're, the book you wrote, but it gets people touching the earth they're living with. It makes them feel closer to the earth, that they're participating in it every day, that they're, um, they're understanding more about what makes life grow, what's making life better, and where you and I both have said now, we don't need to eat that much, we just need quality, and yes, we want it to taste good, but we can do that with herbs uh, and special type of herbal seasonings, it can be just delicious. Um, of if we're, many of the chefs will say, you get the freshest ingredients possible and then do as little as possible to them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's almost the best way to cook. Yes, it is. Yeah. In fact, uh, the reason uh, I think your timing is just perfect is people are looking at little restaurants, not the big ones, but little restaurants that are specializing in these kinds of of uh, menus. And uh, and a lot of times, like, well, of course, if you go into your area, but you can go into areas of larger cities, you'll get these little small restaurants that have been uh, are being ran by families. And they'll be running their restaurant very much like you say, uh, more closely to the food and not such a mass production of, of where the food is coming on and from and weighed at the kitchen before it gets out there. Something else that have you out there in your area started having grocery stores growing foods outside the grocery store? Oh, we don't have that yet. We have We that have a lot here. of roof. Go- oh, that's very exciting. What kind of grocery stores do that? We have these little grocery stores that are growing uh, little gardens inside fencing. Um, that are they're, they're grow- uh, the gardens are, are like on legs up above the ground, and there's several of them, and they're growing produce during season to be able to sell in the grocery store. That's an excellent idea. Isn't that excellent? Yeah. 
Anything that makes it easier. You know, I'm also, you know, working now with a company called uh, Farmigo, and they have an online farmer's market so that people can order their food online and they go pick it up at local community centers. So Ah. all of these things that helps people be able to access their the variety of farms in their area. So, you know, that's all all good news. I mean, some of my chefs would say, you know, we lost one generation to Betty Crocker. We don't want to lose another. You know, so also the making of the food brings people together. So when you hear these heartwarming stories about bringing in the local seasonal uh, vegetables mm-hmm. and somebody might say, what do I do with purple carrots or what am I going to do with this kale? So then you realize, you know, how mm-hmm. food can bind us together from generations and also from, um, you know, across our neighborhoods and our communities. Sharing recipes, talking, I always say the biggest ingredient in most food recipes is love. Oh, yeah, the passion. Passion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Right, and you know, uh, the one thing when I've been studying nutrition for so long, and, and, uh, and by the way, I'm 71, I found so far back when I was like 22 years old, I started studying nutrition because my grandfather uh, battled three types of cancer with what he ate. And he got to live to be a very, uh, in his 80s. And he started out when I was just a little girl about uh, with these cancers. But he would study the food, and, and, and he grew a garden and his fresh fruit from the trees. And, and he really cared about what he ate, how he would be healing and feeling better and strong and go out for a walk every day. So, Le- Leanne, I found that food is a powerful tool uh, to battle diseases and um, to be able to uh, he- live a healthier life if, you, if you've been diagnosed with something that you need to battle. Um, Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, and, and it's exciting. To, I mean, I think the flip isn't. side of it, it's two sides of the same coin, is that people find it very yeah. exciting. Cook with your children or your parents or, you know, a right. lot of ethnic people, you know, they'll have big Sunday dinner, family dinners. But to see, we eat so much of a monoculture. We eat the same foods over and over, and it's very boring. You know, we've corporate food in America has gotten everybody to the point where they're all eating, you know, a chicken, a corn, a soybean. This way, you need to bring back the kind of diversity in food that makes food so delicious. And so those restaurants that you talk about, those chefs are inspired by what they find at the green markets or in talking to artisans that are making food that's so special and unique that you want to go out and be able to, you know, eat in the restaurant. Others use it like as a passport to just explore their own areas where they live. Exactly. And, you know, I'm in the I category um, of research in the past several years, and my, a lot of my medical team around the world are all physicians, um, ophthalmologists, optometrists in eye research. And there's something that I've had a doctor on here from um, uh, Tufts uh, who heads the research and nutrition uh, for eyes research. And all these doctors all over the world are saying, you know, do you remember, Leanne, in school, very much education about how to take care of your eyes, eat carrots? Well, now they're learning that the dark green vegetables, like a dark, the mm. spinach, the kale, the arugula, mm. the broccoli, mm. the, uh, there's, you know, get into these fresh um, types of dark green. And so when I go out to eat, wherever in the world I'm eating, I really look at the menu looking for all these types of vegetables that I can be eating that are very healthy for me personally, uh, for how I feel, how I think. Uh, yes, for my eyes and yes, for my uh, uh, being flexible. 
um, and digestive systems and so on. And dark exactly. green vegetables are very good for detoxification. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, for me, it's not only produce. I mean, that's one of the things I wanted to do in my book, the Hamptons and Long Island Homegrown Cookbook, was to also highlight the growers who, I think it made it more interesting and exciting, so it wasn't only produce, but, you know, expanded out to the fish, meat, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, uh, mollusks, and so on, so that people see, you know, we used to eat so much more, you know, whether it was duck or certain kinds of pig or even mm-hmm. game, and a lot of people don't have that anymore, and we really do mm-hmm. need to expand it out so to make food interesting again, so it's not the poor mother saying, what am I going to make? You know, I have to have well, like, how chicken you prepare and it. We're learning more yeah. about preparing it. You know, our forefathers, to me, Leanne, were geniuses. I, I mean, they didn't have the ability to learn as much. We, we know maybe too much. <laughs> or we think we know. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I think we know. Uh, right? I, I would like to speak in front of t- about a million people, and the first thing I would say, Leanne, where's our common sense? <laughs> mm-hmm. Please don't mm-hmm. complicate what I'm going to say today. But uh, back to uh, the common sense of uh, how we eat and how we prepare it. But our, one of the things our forefathers invented that was sad is the frying pan, uh, is the fact that uh, everything had to be so fried up, uh, overcooked. Uh, now we're learning to go another direction. And so did you have in there how you prepare some of these things? Well, all the recipes have step-by-step, and, of course, that was part of the editing process and, you know, to vet all the recipes. And sometimes you have to laugh, you know, a a culinary artist, a chef, you know, the way they communicate is not so much with the words, uh, but they, you know, are very so creative with their hands. But they might say something like, you know, cook it uh, and boil it until just before it starts to boil. And then you say, what does that mean? You know, I don't know, understand that. So Mm -hmm. everything had to be very precise and very, you know, measured out. I um, gave them guidelines. Of course, they could submit any of the recipes that they wanted, but it was a family heritage recipe, a um, brand new recipe, a seasonal one. Hopefully, it wasn't from the summer, you know, because they're much easier to do. I think to get an autumn or winter recipe would be would be great, and um, a signature recipe, something that they're known for. So we really mixed it up a lot, and I think. Um, you know, the book is all the better for it because it really does show people that there's a different way to make, you know, nannies, stuffed green peppers, you know, and then something that's so local, just as simple as goat cheese, fresh peaches, you know, local mm-hmm. greens, and a little bit of local honey, and, you know, people are enthralled. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and we're going to come back, and we're going to discuss some more of those recipes because I think... If you can tell us a little bit more about that, I think the audience will be very fascinated because uh, you've touched on to this new local grown, and then people have started having indoor gardens in the wintertime, I'm sure. In fact, I had a guest on our show that ha- up in Upper New York that has uh, been showing people how to grow a small little garden in their kitchen. But Leanne, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back, and we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Fierce Eye Mist with Just a Mist. Did you know, audience, that the surface of your eyes is 98% water? That you have a clear tear film over the eye, and your eyes have an evaporation, a dehydration to the air you're living in. So the water vapor is not able to absorb the way it should and causes a vision impairment. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product worldwide to be able to supplement your eyes with just a mist. 
And you gals that are wearing cosmetics, it never runs the cosmetics. In fact, it softens the skin around the eyes. But with a supplement, nature's tears eye mist with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Leanne. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Leanne, we were talking in your book about, in your book, you have a lot of menus uh, and recipes of, from some of your chefs, or, or almost all of them maybe are from the chefs. Um, Tell us about one of your favorite ones. Um, well, a couple that I've made, you know, I make them all the time, but a couple that are real favorites are uh, Chef Tom Shadell's, um lobster risotto. Okay. And it is, we made it, it was one time for a bridal shower, and the women just went crazy. It was, like, so delicious. Um, another was using the... Um, so that that's definitely a favorite, and it's so fresh. And you can, you know, if people don't want to um, splurge for some of the fresh lobster, they can use crab or, you know, whatever local fish that they might have, which is fantastic. One that I think is really good and seasonal coming up is um, this uh, salad of local beets and apples, and it's got some mm. cherries and fennel on it, mm. which is really delicious. Um, I've also made the – we grow a lot of um, – butternut squash in our uh, home garden, so I've used the sage and butternut squash planks. I've made them, you know, very, very often. Um, The lobster potato salad from um, uh, Chef Anna Pump, and she's adorable. I mean, she's in her, she's mature, I'll say, and she's one of the (laughs) chefs who taught Ina Garten to to cook. She originally came from Denmark area, and she said when she got mm-hmm. to the Hamptons, it just felt like home for her. Uh-huh. So she uses a lot of, Long Island was always very well known for its potatoes. So mm-hmm. she has a lobster potato salad that is, uh-huh. my husband tasted it, and he said, Anna, do you want to get married? And she was like all <laughs> flustered and started laughing. But um, it is terrific, and you can make it yourself just with, you know, potatoes and an area. 
I remember my brother lived in Spain. She sells it for like and... $100, $100 a pound, which is crazy. <laughs> But um, I know also, my brother lived in New Canaan for many, many, many years, and I remember arriving the first time he moved there. And and I'm from Oregon, and he had his fresh East Coast lobster. And you people out there, when you're talking about your lobster, and here we are across the ocean, or where I mean, or wherever in the world, and uh, we, you've got lobster in your potato salad. You've got lobster. crazy, <laughs> right? Have but it's pate. so plentiful. It's so delicious. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh it is. Yes, it's another one. Your country. Yes. He makes but lobster um, potato salad. Now, what do you put it? How do you make lobster potato salad? Well, you take, see, I'm spoiled because we also raise our own potatoes, but you could get them from your local farmers. Uh-huh. And you got white potatoes. You take some lobster meat. You chop up some dill, scallions, some capers. Put a little vinegar in there, black pepper. I make my homemade mayonnaise, so I put a little garlic oh, in that. Okay. But you put the mayonnaise in, and um, and that's it. A little lemon juice, oh, and you're my. good to go. Oh my so it's gosh! Fresh, 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 and creamy. And homemade and mayonnaise. I, I exactly. haven't made. So you just that take for a you. couple of egg yolks, and you put some uh, oil in with it, a little bit of lemon and salt, and you know that's it. And okay. and and it's fresh. It's so delicious. It changes right. everything. Oh my gosh! Did you win your husband's stomach, to, his heart to his stomach? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, you know, the food that we can eat and make. I mean, he Uh-oh. turned into a master chef while I was writing the book, also, oh. and, a, and a grower. You know, so a we grower. grow our own garlic and Brussels sprouts and asparagus and so on, which is great. Oh. Uh, one of the chefs any- makes his own um, pizza, and he uses the local cherry wood uh, in the. Um, oven with fire to bake yeah. the, exactly so that's a great thing that people can do no matter where they live they can have their local you know whatever their local tree are you know whether it's mesquite or cherry or orange or whatever but that adds a little bit of flavor to yes. you know even the cooking process yes, it does uh, now, now um, in the book uh, I know we're talking about delicacies we're talking about uh, actually, it's a very exciting fact. I'll call it, you've got on here one day your uh, garden glamour and a speaker person here going around. It is very fashionable right now for people to be thinking about, Leanne, how do I take care of myself? You know, so far back when I was studying um, water and, and what happened here with people, and and um, I, I have a product that was in the cosmetic industry at Bergdorf and and uh, nature's mist, face of the water. But anyway, I, I was running around the country doing my thing, and all of a sudden did, I noticed something, that people were embarrassed at one point in our life here in this country to say they're vain. I think it's timely, Anne, that books like yours and other people need to know, be vain. It shows you really care about yourself. So when you get up in the morning, you take care of yourself. Be concerning. It's your gift. It doesn't belong. It's your personal gift. And what is the greatest freedom you have on earth is in your mind, caring enough about yourself to take care of yourself. Um, and people need to think about um, what the trend is of environment. Is what, How do we learn from people like yourself? about how to uh, to eat and, and ways of uh, fixing uh, the recipes and the menus. And, and we bring mm-hmm. people on the show that are uh, professors from different universities that are studying that all over the world, how to eat mm-hmm. better, feel better, and be healthier. Um, 
Now, uh, also in your I book... I think that's true. I think it's funny that for myself, I always thought that if I suspend almost all my extra income on clothes or things like that, that I wanted fashion. I, you know, I'm a glamour girl myself. And I overheard two women at the green market saying not too long ago, almost the same thing. She said, you know, I used to spend all my money on all this fashion stuff, which I still love. She said, but now I find so much of my budget is going towards these fantastic exotic vegetables and fruits and things that I'm enjoying. So, but I think people have responsibility for that. I mean, we want to be, you know, we want to enjoy the sensual pleasure of eating good food, drinking wine or coffee or whatever, chocolate, and and, and, and why tea. not? And tea. So we, I have had, uh, I, I brought, brought in people from all over the world seeing the teas, the loose-leaf teas, and, how, and the 5,000 years of tea and kombucha. Um, and mm-hmm. more, and uh, and and I, I, I there's nothing wrong to be vain. Uh, I want to bring the word back. In fact, you should write that book next. Be vain and eat, and, you know, and how you do your menus in your garden. <laughs> you got it. But, it shows you but, have a pride that your body's a temple. So exactly there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The body is the temple of life, and the greatest freedom you have that nobody can take away from you is just what you said. Just and I think the said. easy way to get started is that people can. Um, not feel that it's a burden, but look at it more that it's exciting and it's mm-hmm. interesting that there's always ways for easy access to get to good food. And then just mm-hmm. take an interest. It doesn't take a lot more time. Um, authors that are more famous and important than me have shown that uh, getting whole foods and making foods is less expensive. A lot of people rely on fast processed food because they think they don't have the time. But by the time you pop in all those different dinners into the microwave, you're actually using up more time than if you had just chopped up some vegetables or fresh fish and just baked that. So um, it's all doable, and I think people might be concerned that they don't know how to take that first step. So get inspired, you know, whether you read my book or whether you, you know, read some blogs or, you know, join a group. But, you know, Mm -hmm. food brings people together. Now, there are a lot of blogs out there having fun with each other about different menus and different subject matters. Uh, Have you been Mm -hmm. doing that with all those people? I do, and I, I write a food yeah. and drink column myself uh-huh. you know, for Examiner, um, and I I enjoy reading about other people. You know, when they yeah. blog and talk about it, you can just learn so much. I mean, it's food and drink is so fascinating. Whether it's a craft brewer or someone that makes special cookies, I mean, we're like in right. you know food heaven. You know, here in New York and Brooklyn, you can just go out your door and be able to. Yeah. you know, experience this, and it's that in itself is inspiring. So I never thought about that. You know, wow, yeah. I could make that oh, with this. Yeah, yeah. Or you so may have thought about it, but you didn't go beyond that. Um, and it, 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 I had somebody on, I've many times said this on the show, Leanne, ask me what I do when I get a day off. I go, I go produce shopping. I don't do anything else but go produce shopping. I get in heaven. I went with my daughter over the weekend to a community that's 30 minutes away from here. And, and we just had a ball in one of the stores. We have out here, and I don't know if you have them out there, uh, Trader Joe's yeah. uh, grocery stores. And, and we went in there. We spent almost an hour in this little tiny uh, Trader Joe's. And then we went over to another one and saw another place, and uh, it's fun. Uh, and then, of course, on Saturdays, they have the growers markets, and I, I, why would I want to go do anything else? Because And it, look at all the different kinds of produce that's available today that I never right. had witnessed that's before, the different colors, like you said, of carrots and potatoes mm-hmm. and kale and, 
and um, the different things that are available. If you don't go shopping, you'll never see them. I think that's what American food is about. It's not like such a fusion, but people bring their own background or their likes and dislikes into the kitchen, and so they can marry up tastes and flavors. So oftentimes now the chef might ask the grower to grow something for him. Alternatively, the grower then says to the chef, you know, I was trying out this new kind of zucchini or, you know, mustard green. You know, you want to try it. So, you know, that, that adds to the collaboration of coming up with really interesting uh, and progressive kind of now, recipes. Now, in the book, real quickly, uh, before I forget, what do you have in there that's called a snack? Um, we are a society that likes to have a, a snack if we get exhausted. And like at the end of the day, I find myself just wanting something to snack. Did you have anything in there about uh, different f- foods for uh, if you want a snack for yourself, something just to eat a little something. Well, we have sandwiches, and one of the chefs okay. um, uh, from Bayville in New York, from the um, the tavern, the Gray Horse Tavern, it was so named because the former owners had their horse come and stand at the bar and drink with them. But mm-hmm. um, Gretchen Matchmer, she, I always call like the Earl of Sandwich, but she says, you know, no matter what you have, you can just put it on fresh bread and, you know, whatever you have around in any season. So I think that's like a great snack to be able to have. Another chef had Croque Monsieur, which is like grilled cheese, you know, that mm-hmm. you can put into it. Another one is mm-hmm. fresh cheese, you know, so mm-hmm. you can go for that. So it's not snack in the sense that it's going to be... Um, uh, chips or something like that, although many of the chefs did talk about the fact that on Long Island the potatoes are so good, so what they do is they'll take the potato slices and do them up in the oven just very quickly like uh, kale chips, you know, so you can put that mm-hmm. on. So that's a very easy thing, you know, for people to do. But mm-hmm. um, So it's more about the whole foods and, mm-hmm. you know, eating that way. When you mentioned whole food, I remember the, when I was in New York and and uh, we are, we're Hilton, everything's Hilton when we travel, and we were there, and I, somebody was going past our the Hilton, and we were inside in one of the, a restaurant with a Whole Foods store bag. And I asked the concierge, do you have a Whole Foods store here in the area now? He said, oh, yes, down at Times Square, Time Warner building. <laughs> so we have one at Union Square. I yep. I, we had an uh, all-natural health food store in the neighborhood where we stayed, but all of a sudden I'm beelining it down there. And, of course, you've been there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's right around the, the corner for me. Building. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, uh, and I spent quite a bit of time in there. Uh, I, I just love their stores. Um, in fact, the first time I ever went into one, Leanne, I said to my – it was in Portland, Oregon, because I'm Oregonian, and I said to Bill uh, – I said, oh, I think I just died and went to heaven. Oh, <laughs> we're so fortunate, not only that, but Fairway. And then we have like a lot of local family-owned stores that have been around for generations. We have A&G, oh. for example, in our neighborhood in the village where, you know, people make, you know, desserts. Uh-huh. Of course, they make the fresh cheese oh. there every day, oh. so you can get your mozzarella done, you know. so and, and if people want, they can go into every neighborhood and be able to... You know, to source it. Oh my! Uh-huh. Yeah, you would. Why be bored? No, before I forget and let you go, what? What? Do you have any desserts in there that you found that were very popular? With the well, the there's a raspberry and a cherry tart 
Mm. Um, from <laughs> and it's so beautiful. It, it's like it was such a gorgeous picture. We used it as like the chapter heading for the North Fork. You know, and it is sort of interesting that the whole area is you know based on food. So it's the two forks, or the east end of Long Island, the North Fork and the South Fork. Mm-hmm. So the cherry dessert that was ah. a great one. And uh, there's one from Shelter Island, and she had she's because many of the chefs. Um, there's a dynamic there that they're husband and wife, and so the, more often than not, the wife is the pastry chef. So we have many, many, you know, tantalizing desserts. Uh, one is Claudia Fleming from the North Fork Table and Inn, and she's a James Beard Award winner herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got she uses so much of the local food, so we feature her with her straw, strawberry grower. And mm-hmm. I'll you know sort of pass this on. One of the famous chefs from the Food Network, Tom Colicchio, he always says what grows together goes together so you can Uh put that into your recipe and she takes it a step further because oftentimes people say well I don't understand what's you know sustainable or what I you know what's not to eat or whatever but she says if it doesn't grow by you locally but you're never going to have it for example we're not going to grow bananas here and we're not going to grow chocolate then it's okay you're supporting those growers in those countries that have it. Mm-hmm. But if it's doable there, like strawberries or raspberries, and it's just out of season, she's not going to serve it until it is in season. Okay. And I think that's a good rule of thumb to be able to go by. So, mm-hmm. you know, if mm-hmm. you have, then just go to the autumn or the winter, you know, fruit or vegetable that you have, you know. So, well, there uh, is a lot of research going on right now that if you're living where you're at, I'm living where I'm at, that you should change, your diet should change with the season. Exactly. And exactly. I think that is, and, and, what, and I've been studying water vapor in the air, the invisible water, for 30 years now, and the impact that has on everyday life, on your health, every day, and that was overlooked. And um, science has not studied it because I guess it couldn't have been patented. But back to the whole thing, is it's the same thing with the water vapor and the changes of the, of the temperatures and how, how your, what it's looking like outside is how you should begin to dress, wear your fashion and your choice of fabrics and how you should be eating and mm-hmm. your sleeping and, and, and mold in, just kind of mold in. And, and what uh, I say is that, you know, people used to travel for food or for fashion or all those things because it wasn't all the same. People could celebrate the unique personality of every area and every region. I think we need to get back to that as well so that people mm-hmm. will travel for the local flavor. Right, exactly. And uh, our seasons are there for a reason. Uh, we've got to get back to the common sense that our planet has a season for where we're at for a purpose. And that purpose mm-hmm. of its nature is where what is the let's just say the float the mold um, uh, the way we should be uh, it's almost like the, um, the uh, Confucius you know uh, the, uh, before I let you go uh, something I had a Chinese uh, physician on here and, and we were talking about the horrible pollution in China and and she was saying how her uh, the elderly people the in China are not as affected with their health as the young mm-hmm. people in China are with the pollution. And it's come, it's, it, the conclusion, of course, is they grew up with Con- Confucius, 
and they grew up with a better diet. They drank water all day long with diluting the tea. They'd have a little bit of loose leaf tea, but just kept pouring the water on it all day long. Yep, Never I've kept adding that. more stronger tea. And they stepped to the vegetables, and they were growing their vegetables, and their outlook on life was stay mellow, and they probably flowed with the seasons too. But the young people want everything fast-paced, eat in a hurry. Everything is so unhealthy that the Chinese young people are not as healthy and will take a while for them to grow grow into understanding that you will not live long if you don't take better care of your of your of how much water you're drinking uh your diets your sleep uh, how long you sit at a computer uh this is all but here again we're all learning it's all a learning process sadly and we learn from other people's mistakes other generations mistakes but well, we're I had one at a time. We're out. Of, we've got a minute left. How would you like to close off the audience around the world on this fabulous uh, book that's coming up for the holidays? I hope a lot of people look at this one. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really, you know, my honor to be able to talk about all the issues that um, are included in the Hamptons and Long Island Homegrown Cookbook because it's a beautiful book. It's fun to read. It's interesting to learn what their inspiration is and what I had hoped that when people. Uh, do get the book and read it that they become equally inspired to explore culinary art and find out new ways to cook using their local farmers Mm -hmm. and the local ingredients and maybe grow some food uh, too, you know, and take care of our bees. You know, we need our local honey, you know. that's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have another whole story for that. And now the next book, next time you write a book, what you need to do is have a lolic goblet with the most gorgeous spring water in there and, and encouraging people by air, at every meal they should have their their water. <laughs> Agreed. Water is the source of everything, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Gotta have well, it. thank you. You have a thank nice day, so and I, I wish you and your family well. Thank you. Same to yours. Thank you. Have Bye-bye. a nice day. Bye-bye. Wasn't that fun? We ha- uh, I enjoyed every minute of that. I know... What is life from the beginning of time? It's sitting and talking about food. Is uh, We go to a county fair, and, and what do we go for? Is not just the rides and the animals, but to see the food. And when you want to go out to, eat, to do, have an entertainment together, where do you want to go? To dinner or to lunch or to breakfast somewhere. And out the whole wide world, you don't even have to speak the language. You can sit there and enjoy the foods, uh, and the flavors, and, and that's something we're learning more about lately. We got in a generation there for a while, a time, about three decades ago, of forgetting about that exciting flavor that Earth gave us with nature, not having to use the frying pan for everything, make up those delicious salads with lots of dark green in them, and think about uh, now drinking water and um, getting away from too much sugar and the soda companies are trying to help us with that one and the juice companies are trying to help us. So we get into other liquids and not just the sugar and uh, the over carbohydrated things that wear us out. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But I wanted to bring back to the attention, the focus of the, store, of the show is water. And our crisis that we're in and what we need to do every day as a team around the world is get behind what we can learn, what we can all do to encourage fresh water, safe water, and for everyone 
did you know that 5,000 children are dying a day without water? There's been no war for that one yet, and I don't want to see a war, but I would like to see a lot of, of uh, discussion. And maybe some embarrassment going out there to our politicians to forget about the priority of all life on Earth, to for Earth to last is water. I want you to embrace your life every special moment, but Earth whispers, don't say goodbye and take it all with you. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank everyone for making this show possible, and thank Leanne Levin for being on today. You have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Hour.com.